This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Reframe this a little and think about how do I protect my money that I worked so damn hard to save? Well, that's investing. That's the only way to protect your money is to earn a little bit more than inflation, which is 8%. Mm -hmm. The only way you can earn more than 8% in this world is by investing it in, in stock market. So I think the word protect changes it for a lot of people. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Reel Podcast. I hope that you guys have been enjoying these episodes because I feel like I've had like really, really cool guests on. And I really want to step it up. So please let me know what guests you want to hear and who you want on the podcast. Do you like long intros, short intros? Like I'm really trying to get as much feedback as possible. And my favorite part is when I ask for feedback and you guys literally, you give it to me. Like I have gotten DMs this past week because I asked for feedback last time and you guys gave me feedback. So thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate it. And it just helps to make a better show because there's nothing I hate more than like loving a podcast and then it going downhill or like not resonating with it or not liking the guests or not like being bored of it. So if that ever happens to you, please know that I'm a person and you can tell me and I will take it and I will, I will like make the necessary adjustments. So please let me know your feedback. And then you can also rate us five stars on Spotify and Apple podcasts as well. And screenshot this, post it on your story, all of that good stuff. I always feel like I need to remind people, even though I know I don't, you guys, you guys know what you're doing, but Anyways, I wanted to say that before I dived into today's intro. So I'm recording this. I'm in New York City. It's my last city of the month. In June, I have been to Miami, obviously, which actually not so obviously because I feel like I've been there the least amount of time, but I've been to Miami, Charlotte, Raleigh twice, LA, upstate New York, New York City now, and I think, oh, in London. How can I forget? and London all in one month. It's been a pretty crazy month, but I've been traveling a lot for work. Besides London and upstate New York, everything has been for work. Oh, and Connecticut. I missed Connecticut on there. So everything's been for like meetings. I just spoke at a Create and Cultivate, which I cannot wait to tell you about. So if you don't know, Create and Cultivate has been like a bucket list item for me to do in my life ever since I graduated college and I read Work Party by Jacqueline Johnson. It's been like one of my goals to speak at, to create and cultivate. So I was actually a speaker and creative juice, which is at get.juice. If you guys are curious, it's like the first bank for creators. They invited me to speak with them because they were a sponsor at the conference. And it was so cool because I got to attend the conference and listen to some amazing women speak. But then there were also so many like pop-up shops. It was so good. Like the food was good. And I got to like chill in the green room with a lot of the other speakers. And I met Bella Hadid. If you guys haven't seen it, I have a photo with her. She was so nice, like beyond nice. I think, I mean, I'm not saying she's not a nice person, but I think she actually like talked to me a bit more because we were in the green room together. So it wasn't just like a bunch of people flooding her and like talking to her. We were in the green room together. She was just working on her laptop like hours after she was done speaking. So she was there doing work for like two or three hours, which I was honestly shocked. I was like, wait, do supermodels do work? Which might be such a naive comment for me to think, but I was just shocked that she was like 
working for that long. Like I would have thought that she would have spoken and left immediately, but she was hanging out there. So the girl that I was with, Seema, or she uh, went up to her to talk to her. And then I like went up and I just introduced myself, told her about what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm a founder. I'm here speaking. And she was like, oh my God, I need to listen to you speaking. Like, that's so cool. Like, what do you do? Just telling me, just like being really nice and asking questions. And I was like, wait, you do not have to do this. Um, but it was just really cool and really nice. And she was like, yeah, like this is such a cool event. And she was like, yeah, I'm here like working. Like I have to finish up some stuff. And I was just like super surprised for some reason. And I think it gave me perspective. Like don't judge a book by its cover, you know? And then I was like, okay, you can leave if you want, but like, can I have a photo with you? And she was like, of course. So we took photos for like a few minutes. I really wish I got a selfie instead of an actual picture because the lighting was horrible. And I feel like a selfie, I would have been able to control the photo a bit more because I think it's a pretty bad photo of me. She looks amazing, but yeah, she was just like so beautiful in person. So nice. Like I don't know. I I was just like shocked and I know that's so bad. So it was just, it was really good to meet her. So I posted the photo on, in my Instagram story. And then I also posted it on my social media. So if you guys want to see on Instagram, I did post that, but anyways, I've been, I've been just like all over the place, but create and cultivate was amazing. I was so honored that I got to be a part of it. And now I'm in New York city for a few more meetings and then I'm headed back to Miami tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. But today's episode, today's episode is going to be one that you guys actually want to listen to because it's a finance episode and I haven't done one of these in a while and you guys really love when I talk about finances. So today I interviewed Chris and Chris is the founder and CEO at Penny Finance, which if you don't know what it is, you're about to learn. She's also a veteran of Wall Street and a financial whiz and her mission is to make financial advice more accessible to women who don't yet have wealth, which is incredible. I love her mission and I love that she's trying to make it just more accessible and, you know, easier to kind of get be a part of that club that talks about investing and finances and knows what we're talking about and feels, you know, more educated just in in general. Like I feel like sometimes a lot of people are scared to get involved in that conversation because they feel like they don't know everything and she just helps you become a lot more confident. So Chris actually after college moved to New York City with a ton of student debt, which I feel like is relatable for a lot of people, and she was paying rent on her credit card, which is insane. Even after growing up with a very financially forward mom and studying finance in college. So she landed a dream job at Goldman Sachs, which if you don't know, it's very prestigious, very hard to get a job at Goldman, but quickly realized that it wasn't the wealthy that needed her help, which was the people that she was working with, but people just like her who didn't have access to financial resources. So she actually figured out her own finances without ever like making a ton of money or maxing out your 401k with very small and intentional steps to just trim down her loans and investment. And she built a resource that helps you invest depending on your age and goals. So we discuss common money misconceptions surrounding credit cards, debt, investments. Um, We discuss how long like your timeline should be and like what you should be looking at, why you actually don't need to be scared of a recession, which I feel like everything in the news is doom and gloom. And we talk about why that shouldn't be something that we're scared about and how to prepare in a recession so that Not only should you not be like, oh my God, it's the end of the world, but let's help us prepare so that we actually, you know, it's not the end of the world for us because it is scary, but there are things that you can do to prepare, especially when you know that it's coming. And then discussing like why women in particular feel so much shame and anxiety about talking about money and how education and communities like Penny Finance 
are needed to help bridge that gender gap in finances, which I think is really relatable for a lot of people. So we dive all into mindful spending and a new take on budgeting and why she's actually anti-budget, which I thought was interesting, how to prepare for that recession, investing tips and steps to jump into the stock market, and how to close the wealth gap and become financially free. You guys are going to love this episode because you love my finance episodes. So without further ado, let's welcome Chris to the show. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chrissy, thanks for coming on my podcast. 
course. I'm happy to be here. I'm very excited because my financial episodes always do the best. My financial YouTube videos, podcast episodes, I feel like a lot of people are just so curious about learning about that in a digestible way. So I'm really happy to have you on. Love to hear that. (laughs) So we're going to get started with setting the record straight. So that's some stereotypes, some assumptions, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. Okay. So first one is most people do not know where to begin to pay off their debt. True. Yeah. I feel like debt is one of the scariest things to have because you feel like you're drowning in it a lot of times, or you feel like there's like no end to it. Especially I feel like student loan debt is one of those that is really scary for a lot of people and like credit card debt, but I'm excited to talk about kind of where they can begin. Why do you think that they feel that way? Like, why do you think it feels like never ending? Well, I think because nobody tells you how to pay off your debt and you're just paying your monthly payment every month and wondering if it's even making a difference or if you're ever going to pay off these things or just just going to die with your debt. And that's because the financial industry doesn't want you to pay them off because that's how they make money is Mm. keeping you in debt. And I think the biggest thing that I tell people is forget about the total amount of debt because that's scary. And you're like, oh my God, 37,000 in student loan. How the hell am I going to pay this off? But a monthly payment is probably only a couple hundred bucks. So I always tell people, forget about the total balance. Think about the monthly payment and how you can pay the tiniest bit more, even if it's just a dollar. And that's how you can chip away slowly at your debt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very excited to dive in because I know a lot of listeners are in debt or have student loan debt, credit card debt. And so I think it's something that we need to talk about in a non-judgmental space. It shouldn't be a taboo topic. The next one is that everyone needs to budget. No, false. Really? False, false. Okay, we why? Budgeting at Penny. And I I don't know about you, but I could never stick to a budget. Okay, I love budgeting, but not in a, I can only spend this amount in food. I can only spend this amount in clothes. I can only spend this amount in X, Y, Z. But I like to keep a manual list of transactions. So I know how much money I'm spending every month. So I can like consciously do better the next month, but I don't set limits on myself. Yes. Think about it. Limits, like psychologically, you're going to break through the limit because you told yourself, I can only spend $200 on shopping this month. Instead, what you do, mindful spending, and what we tell people to do is just know your numbers. That's better Mm -hmm. than that. It's a form of budgeting, but it's not budgeting in the traditional sense of like, I have a strict budget I have to keep to. You will just naturally keep, you know, be like, oh, I I splurged on this one thing Then I'm not going to go out to dinner this week. That Mm -hmm. is all we want you to know. And we'll go through this later, but there are other bigger picture financial things I want people to do that move the needle. Whereas like saving $7 on avocado toast isn't going to move the needle for you. (laughs) Okay. So I guess I don't budget, but I like am very mindful with my spending. So amazing. Yeah. Every month I like list out all my transactions, the categories that it was in. And that way, when I go into the next month, I know like, okay, I spent so much money on restaurants this month. Like, let me go grocery shopping at the beginning of the week. So I don't do that. Or, and then it's like, gets better every single month. So I guess I am definitely pro mindful spending. I don't really, I don't have a budget. Like I don't have limits on myself. You're my dream client. That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And then the next one is that you need to make a lot of money to get out of debt. No, not at all. False. Yeah. Same goes for Mm -hmm. investing. People think you need to be a bajillionaire to invest. If you can set aside a hundred bucks at the end of the month, you can get out of debt or get into investing. 
Wow. I'm really excited for this conversation because that's something that a lot of people think like, well, until I'm making like a high paying job or a high paying salary, like I can't do that. But then it's kind of like you're in a trap of then you'll never be able to really grow your wealth or not grow it as much if you're not starting early. Exactly. And the earlier you start, the better. I want everyone to start the second you have a dollar in your bank account, start thinking about your finances. Yeah. So when you were younger, were you always into finances or were you financially responsible? Were you someone that did like the lemonade stand when you were eight and then like pocketed that and invested that money? Like, what was your background? No, it's so funny. I was the opposite. I was very irresponsible. I stole my mom's credit card and went to the mall and spent like $2,000 when I was 16. And then she made me give her every paycheck. I was working at Old Navy in high school. She made me give her every single paycheck to pay that off. And that's how I learned the hard way how to be financially responsible. So no, I was not responsible, but my mom was a CFO at a company. So she was super smart about finances and taught me everything. And she had me buy my first stock when I was 14. So yes, I was investing early and I learned this really young, but I also did stupid shit like everybody and maxed out credit cards. So you can make mistakes and still turn it around later in life. Yeah, no, I think that's important because sometimes when I hear people that like do financial podcasts or like financial YouTube videos, it seems like they have lived this like perfect financial literate life like Mm -hmm. for years and years and years since they were born that they've just like been born with this like breadth of knowledge where I think most people are in their 20s or 30s and they're like wow I should know what I'm doing but I don't and so it's or oh my god I'm never going to be able to like be good at this because I made so many mistakes when I was in my early 20s. And so how am I going to get out of that yeah. or when I was 18 or whatever it was? So I do think that, that it's important to acknowledge that. But how did you like learn? Like, when did you have that moment where you're like, I need to get my stuff together? Like, I need to learn about this. And I'm so glad that you asked me that question, because I think a lot of people, they look at my resume and they say, oh, you studied finance in college and then you worked at Goldman Sachs and you were an investor. Like, of course, you know all of this, but that's not true at all. And this and personal finance isn't taught in school. And even if you major in finance in college, you you don't learn the everyday things you need to learn. And it only hit me when I got my first job. I moved to New York City. I got a studio apartment and I finally looked at my student loans, which I had over 100,000 in student loans. I looked at my salary. I looked at my rent and it didn't add up. I was literally paying for my rent on my credit card, even though I landed an incredible job. And that was the like aha moment for me where I dove into my finances and said, holy shit, I need to figure this out. I can't go ask for a raise. This is my first year in in life. Like they just made me an offer. How am I going to make the numbers work? And so I think people think it's like a zero sum game where like Mm -hmm. you have to have all of the things in order in order to start and figure it out. So the first thing I did is opened an Excel spreadsheet, wrote down all my student loans, figured out what the interest rates were on them and figured out how much I needed to pay. And then backed into the rest. And that's how I got started. And I honestly felt anxious all of my 20s about money, even Mm. though I knew what I was doing. I had a sophisticated mom who taught me everything. It's really not until you start practicing it every day and not avoiding it and just diving into it and accepting your situation is when you sort of can get the confidence to figure it out. And you don't need to be rich to have financial freedom. You just need to understand your numbers and feel like, okay, this is going to be okay one day. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I know you said you tackled your student loans first. Is that what you recommend other people to do? Tackle their 
that as the first thing. Yeah, always start with debt first because your debt can snowball and you want to figure out what's that minimum payment you need to make every month so that debt doesn't grow because once it starts growing and snowballing, it's really hard to get out from under that. And for people with credit card debt, my tip is to use 0% credit cards to bridge the gap. It like temporarily pauses the interest. All the money you're putting towards them is actually reducing your debt balance and not just paying these ridiculous interest rates. Credit cards charge like 20 or 30% interest. Sort of impossible to get out from under that. So yes, number one, tackle your debt. Number two is tackle your savings. And number three is investing. So can you do those at the same time though? Or Absolutely. So how would you recommend someone who is in debt right now? Let's say they have student debt. How would you recommend them to start paying that off and then figuring out how to save and how to invest? Because I think a lot of times people are so scared to just about one thing. They're like, well, I can't start investing until I pay off my student loans. And that's the thought process because their number one goal is to pay off their student loans. How do you do those in tandem? The first box to check is say your student loans, your payment you have to make every month is $500. I would say the first thing you want to do is make that $550, a little bit more. So you're chipping away at it and then forget about it. Just like put it on auto pay, forget about it. Back into what your paycheck is. What do you have left over after you're paying the 550 and your rent and your big expenses? Whatever's left over, that should be going into your savings account. Mm -hmm. Then once that box is checked and you have a little bit in savings, and I tell people three to six months of expenses, then go start investing. So I do think it's like one step than the other, but like don't wait 10 years of paying off your debt and putting a little in your savings. I tell people $300 for investing is your goal. So if you have that left over at the end of the month after you're tackling your debt, you should start now and do it at the same time. Because Mm -hmm. investing, it's all about having a long, 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 long time horizon. That's how you start to grow your wealth over time. And what's your take on how much money people should be spending on like rent or how much money people should be spending on other, you know, categories of your budget? Do you have, I know you don't agree with budgeting, but do you have like percentage of salary or percentage of like monthly income that you recommend? No, a lot of people say like, oh, 50% of your salary, don't spend more than that on your rent or your mortgage. I disagree with that. I think it has to be in dollars, right? Because you could make $200,000, but have to pay 100,000 in student loans. You can make $60,000 and not have to pay anything in loans, right? Like you have to know your full picture. And that's why I built Penny, my company, because you put in all of these numbers and it takes them all into consideration and spits out to you what you should do because everyone's different. You can have mm-hmm. debt, not have debt. You can make a lot of money, not make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So look, like I don't think you should be spending 100% of your salary on <laughs> a really bomb apartment in Brooklyn. Like You should you know, live within your means, but... Sometimes you don't have a choice, right? The city you live in or the suburbs you live in, like rent is rent. And unless you have bunk beds with someone, which is like not ideal, it's hard to cut stuff out. I like psychologically, I think people shouldn't think like, what do I need to cut out? I think people should think, what's my big picture? Like if I just, Mm -hmm. if I want to pay pay my debt and put at least $300 in an investing account and save the rest, like where am I at? What's the bottom line number after accounting for all those things? Yeah, I really like that because I do think like we were talking about earlier, budgeting kind of puts you in this like box that you want to break out of and you usually do and you usually then like 
don't listen to it at all. And it's kind of there for no reason. Whereas how do you get people to transition their mindset though, to being like scared of talking about money and scared of looking at their finances and tackling it to being mindful with it? Like, what do you do that helps them with that? Because I think money, a lot of times there's like a mental block when it comes to tackling it rather than you just don't have enough of it. So what is your tip you've seen to help people with that mindset? What I t- well, we tell people at Penny and we have 4,000 women in our community at this point and almost 90% are anxious, same, shameful and guilty about money. That's all comes down to your lack of confidence and your lack of education. So our view is if we just educate and share as much wisdom as physically possible and get you to know your numbers inside and out, that's the solve. Like you said, a lot of people don't like talking about that. So we built a tool where you don't have to ever talk to a human. You're sitting on your couch in your pajamas and you put your numbers in and it tells you a lot about your money and what to do next. So the first thing I'd say is just try to take one step forward in educating yourself. You avoiding it is just going to make you feel worse. So diving into it is going to make you feel better. Try not to be scared of all of this, all the big words and jargon. That's just trying to keep you out of the financial industry. It's Mm -hmm. not as hard as it's made out to be. (laughs) And then I'd say the second thing and how we talk about money is we just cut out all the bullshit. Like you don't need to invest in crypto. You don't need to make an NFT to be rich. (laughs) You really just need to pay the right amount on your debt, get invested in the stock market. Yes, you have to do that. And you will be growing your wealth over time and you will be financially free one day. So we just try to cut out like all the barriers physically possible and also show you that you can do it even with a hundred bucks, which I don't think the world tells us enough. You know, everyone over indexes on, oh, they sold their company for a billion dollars. No, you don't need to do that. (laughs) You really don't. You just have to know your numbers. Get out of debt, set up a little investing account, and you're going to be good. I really like that you break it down and more like you don't need to know all of these big words or keep up with these trends like crypto and NFTs and all of this, because like you said, it is designed to keep people out because if you're in debt, then they're getting richer. Like, let's be honest. So is that the reason why you created Penny Financing? Like what was your reasoning? And also share a little bit more about like exactly what it is, but was that kind of your aha moment or what was your aha moment when you decided to start it? That was my aha moment. I worked in private wealth management in New York and I helped manage money for very wealthy people. And I realized, oh, like this actually isn't that hard. And all of the people, they just made smart financial decisions early in their life. And I kept meeting women like me who had all of this debt and were not investing. If you look at the data, 70% of women do not want to invest in the stock market. And everyone was talking about this big wealth gap and everyone talks about the pay gap. And it just irked me that one, there was no resource for me to send women to, to just figure out the basics. And two, the financial industry was built for people that are rich. Well, what about the people who are not? Nobody's serving them. And so one day I said, okay, these these wealthy people, they don't need me. Like they're going to be fine. But the people like me who went to college, spent a ton of money on it and just want to make it, like let me go help these people because I figured it out. It's really just there's five things you need to do with your personal finances and you will feel free 
let me try to build a tool to get it out to as many people as physically possible because the world mm -hmm. will be better for it. We can finally close the wealth gap. We can stop talking about this damn pay gap because I'm just so sick of hearing about it. We've talked about it for decades, but it has nothing's changed. Right. And why do you think it is that, I mean, primarily women are scared to talk about finances and they are scared to invest and talk about money? Because I've noticed that too, but even between like my friends, you know, it's like the guys that I'm friends with are always like, oh, how, how are your stocks doing today? And like, they're talking yeah. about it amongst themselves. And a lot of my girlfriends, we don't talk about that. And we're not sharing about what we're investing in or what we're talking about because half of us have not invested. But why is that? Because women today, they, I mean, a lot of them are making money. Yes, there is obviously a pay gap, but they're at a stage where they should be investing, but yet majority of them, like you said, are scared to. So what do you think the barrier is I or think, why that is? And I don't look like I think everyone's trying to figure this out. I think that the financial trade secrets, so to speak, are just shared among these male whisper network. It's like, you know, us going shopping with our girlfriends, like we're not gambling on sports games or investing mm -hmm. like the guys do. I think it's just historically finance has been a male dominated industry and not a lot of women are working in that field. So therefore all the trade secrets and all the financial intel does not get shared beyond those four walls of the financial industry. I think that's changing. There's more and more women who are financial advisors. There's more and more women that work in investment banking and equity research and hedge funds and, and all of that. But I think it's just years and years and years of women not being in the room. And mm -hmm. so therefore, the trade secrets don't get out to us. And it's a boring topic. Also, I think that's the yeah. second thing. It's <laughs> like, it's I don't look, I don't follow the stock market every single day. And my company is an app that teaches you how to invest because it's not super exciting. It's like, it's very boring, but I think people think, oh, you need to like love it and follow it every day to win. And that's not true. So I think it's those two things, just us not being in the room and then it not being a really sexy, fun topic. Of course, yeah. not a lot of us are going to opt into that. Yeah, yeah. And I do love what you're doing with building a community around women that are trying to, you know, one, they're educating themselves more on money. They want to get out of debt. They want to become more financially stable because I think there's so much shame when it comes with being in debt or having to pay off your credit card bills or spending too much or not making that much money there's a lot of shame that comes with it. And it's not the most easy conversation to have with someone like, hi, how are you getting out of debt? Because then you're admitting that you have it and that you're not at this financial spot that's like super wealthy. And you know, you have everything together because what we see online and what we see on social media is people traveling all the time. They're buying new clothes. They're living a life of like a millionaire, you know, and you want to keep up and you don't want to feel like, oh, I can't do something because like, I don't have the money to do that. Or I'm like, shouldn't be spending that money. So I think it's really important that you create that community and that more people start talking about it amongst their friends and their the people in their life in a more accepting and like non-judgmental way. You. So yeah. Is I, that what you that's our yeah, goal? Like, <laughs> our goal is this is a safe space for you to become an investor. And many women don't think that they would be good at it. That's another thing, like on top of the fact that there's some shame around, you know, whatever debts you have or your spending habits. But the reality is women are really, really good at investing. If you look at all the stats, mm -hmm. we outperform men every single time. Mutual funds, hedge funds, individual stocks. 
So that's another thing we try to do is share the positive news because if you read every news article, it's like women aren't doing this and women aren't doing that and women spend too much and you know that's all bullshit. Like our credit scores are just as good as guys. So Mm -hmm. I think we also are trying to change the narrative. Mm -hmm. Women don't spend a ridiculous amount. Yeah. But every article says that. (laughs) It's like, what are you talking about? That's just not true. It's categorically false. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I really love that. And what are some other like big misconceptions that you've seen? And not only just about like misconceptions in the media, but what are some financial like what's some advice that you like hate or that you like cringe at? Like what are some of those misconceptions? <laughs> That's a great question. One of them is that credit cards are bad. Credit cards oh, yeah. are I not hate that bad. Too. They are the best tool you can be using. Everybody should have a credit card. You can make money from credit cards. I'm guessing you're not the biggest like Dave Ramsey fan or. <laughs> I mean, so many people are like, so, you know, Dave Ramsey's one of the people is like credit cards are bad, but look, I have nothing against him. I like that he is opening the conversation about finances and people think about finances. Like, I think that that's important, but yeah, I think I would disagree with some of yeah. the advice given, but if credit cards are used correctly, they are excellent. You need your credit score to buy a house and it takes four years to build your credit score. So we should be using them. You shouldn't wait to use them. And if you have cash back or cash rewards and you're paying off your credit card every month, you're making money. Like that's an Mm -hmm. excellent way to add to your bucket every single month. I also like pay for pretty much like half my flights, at least half of my flights with my credit card points. Like I use my credit card points all the time. Yeah. And it makes me like, I never use my debit card ever. I like never, ever, ever use it. My credit card pays off everything because I want to get those points. Exactly. And I'm, I treat it as cash in the sense where I'm not overspending. Like I spend what I have in my bank account. Like I'm not spending what I don't have so I can pay it off every month, but I love using my credit card and I I definitely always recommend it. It can become dangerous, obviously, right? Like if you spend too much, but what I tell people to do is, you know, if you're swipe happy and it's just like too easy to one click buy stuff, which it is. And I mean, I struggle with that. I end up spending so much on Amazon and Revolve for no reason, right? Is you can have a credit card for different things. So I tell people have a credit card for your everyday expenses. You know what it's going to be every month. Never going to be a surprise when you open up that credit card statement. And then you have a separate credit card for your blurges. Like, you know, you bought a dress for a wedding or you took a trip or whatnot. Because then it's very easy for you to see how much extra you're spending per month. And to your point in the beginning, you can focus on mindful spending and not get, you know, too crazy and end up opening your credit card. And you're like, oh, shoot, I spent way too much this month. (laughs) I like that idea of one for splurging and one for like the basics. I've never heard anyone say that. And then that's our form of budgeting at Penny, right? Is it adds it up for you. You can easily see the categories of spending. So you don't need to like sit and write everything down. It's just added up really clean and easy for you. And then you know, you really know your numbers super well. Yeah, I love that. And I want to talk about investing because I do think like we said, investing is scary. 70% of women don't want to invest in the stock market. How do you begin? Because I'm also one of those people where like, I invest in the stock market now, but like reluctantly, like it's one of those things where it's like, I was so scared because I didn't know. I felt like I didn't have enough knowledge about it. I didn't have enough education about it. I was so like, well, what if I invest in the wrong thing and like my money disappears? Like, what do I do? 
So give us like a little rundown of like investing 101. Like where would you begin if you were someone like me that knew nothing and was like really nervous? First thing is I would open a retirement account. Okay. And that is an IRA or a 401k. It's an IRA for entrepreneurs like me and you. It's a 401k for people that work at a big company. Mm-hmm. The reason I tell people to start with the retirement account is it does a couple things. One, you get a ton of tax savings. Mm-hmm. Two, you're investing for the long term. So it solves one piece of the puzzle for you, which is like, oh, no, what if I put $1,000 in today and it goes down tomorrow, which is the reason a lot of people do not want to invest in the stock market because it it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. When you're investing for retirement, your time horizon is really, really long. So you have plenty of time to deal with the ebbs and flows of the stock market. Um, And then the third thing is in in a retirement account, you can buy one fund and just that is literally titled like retirement 2060 mutual fund. It is managed by financial advisors. They pick the investments for you. It has a really low fee and they adjust it as you get closer to retirement age. So you can literally just buy that fund and never think about it ever, ever again. So there are these mutual funds that allow you to get invested and know that you're not doing it wrong and you're not going to have to look at it every single day because none of us have time for that. And so that's the first thing I would tell people is open a retirement account and invest in a target retirement fund that's managed for you. You're done. You just have to keep contributing to it, you know, every month based on that number we talked about earlier. And there you go. You're an investor. And if you put the right amount in, you could have a million dollars when you retire at 65. The next thing I would tell you is if you've already got your retirement account set up and you want to get in the game and you want to invest, we have built a bunch of tools that help you figure out, well, how much should I put in? Well, Mm -hmm. how much risk should I take? Oh, what if I'm 45 years old? Like, should I invest the same as a 25 year old? You know, there's a lot of things to think about, but it's just getting educated on investing for your age and your goals. Yeah. And so it is scary and the feelings that you're feeling are normal because it's it's like learning another language, essentially. Mm-hmm. And what I would tell people is you can't really do it wrong unless you do two things. One is you put all your money in one thing. That's risky. Mm-hmm. You want to spread it out among a bunch of investments. And number two is if you invest, but you need the money like tomorrow. If you want to buy a house next year, you shouldn't invest that in the stock market. Right. You should invest if your time horizon is at least five years or more. And then that'll help help relax you a little and help you think, oh, okay, I don't need this money tomorrow. So it's all going to be okay. Yeah. And you're not like paranoid looking at it every single day. No, exactly. Exactly. And because I mean, there have been talks of us going into a recession lately. So do you have advice for how to prepare for that or how to prepare for this downturn that we're in? Like, do you think people should be doing things differently? What do you think is is something that people should keep in mind? Because I mean, for most of us, I'm 26. Like I was a little kid in 2008, 2009. I don't, I did not have any memory in 2000. I was four, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so so what's your advice for like heading down a a potential. What I tell people is it's totally normal. And this, a downturn, which is what we're in, the stock market's down 22% this year. It's actually totally normal and it's totally expected and it's okay. 
If you're thinking about your investments, your retirement account or an investing account, what I tell people is don't let this scare you out of investing because you're not investing for one year. You're investing for a long time. And if you look at the past 10 years, the stock market has been up 150% total. So you're going to miss out on that if you look at just this year and think, oh, I don't want to lose 22%. Like I should not invest mm-hmm. or I should take my money out of the stock market. The biggest thing is like stay invested if you're invested for the long term because you should expect these downturns to happen twice a decade. So first thing, mm-hmm. totally normal. It's okay. If you're 65, different story. We have different advice for you if you're nearing retirement, right? But you know, for the people listening to this podcast, like people like me and you who are young in our 20 and 30s, stay invested. The second thing I would say outside of investing, just like your everyday job, your everyday expenses, you know, savings, things like that. The one big thing I would say is this is the time to understand your numbers. I'm not saying you need to cut your budget completely, but know what you're working with just in case you unfortunately lose your job or and you need to tap into your savings, it's a good time to feel really confident with your numbers so you know, okay, God forbid something happens, I have six months in the bank. That'll make you feel better. Like we'll always, we'll get out of the recession. It's not technically a recession yet, but we'll get out of this downturn at a certain point. So just know what you're working with. And then the last thing I'd say is, God forbid you're in a bind. Mm -hmm. I think 0% credit cards are the best tool for you if you can't pay your bills for some reason. They're temporarily 0% for like a year or two. It just helps you bridge the gap time-wise if you lose your job or or what have you. But like know the tools that are out there. There are things you can do and it's all going to be okay. And then, sorry, fourth thing. I have so many thoughts on this. Yeah, no, this is great. We did a post a few months ago. It's on our site on ways you can make money on the side. So another thing that make you feel good, like there's a bunch of creative different ways that you can bring in a couple hundred dollars extra a month mm-hmm. into your bank account. Do those things because it'll it'll just make you feel better about the whole situation. Yeah. No, I think this was great advice. And it also, I think, reassures people that there are people out there that don't know like all the terms and they're not the most like knowledgeable about this, but that they can get started and that you don't need to be because that I think is what stops the most amount of like the biggest amount of people is the fact that I don't know enough. And, you know, I mean, it's similar to when speaking back to like why women don't invest as much, like how women apply to jobs that they're like 110% qualified for. And then men apply to jobs that they're like 70% qualified for. It's like the same thing with this. Like, I feel like I need to know everything before I get started in this. When is, I'm sure a lot of men are like, oh, I'm just going to test it just out. Just going to do it. it. Exactly. Just going to do it where we need to change that mindset for everyone to, you know, start trying and and start learning along the way because it's such a lie that you need to know everything. Exactly. And on that point, you know, women are really good at saving and they end up saving more than the guys because we know we can see the money in our bank account, right? Like it's there. Me. <laughs> we feel good about it, right? It's like it is the number doesn't like change. It's there. But I'm sure you've heard so much about inflation right yeah. now. And inflation is just the rising cost of things. It's at 8%. So if you just let your money sit in a bank account, you're basically losing 8%. Mm-hmm. 
every yeah. year. So the what I tell people is like reframe this a little and think about how do I protect my money that I worked so mm-hmm. damn hard to save? Well, that's investing. That's the only way to protect your money is to earn a little bit more than inflation, which is 8%. Mm-hmm. The only way you can earn more than 8% in this world is by investing it in, in stock market. So I think the word protect changes it for a lot of people because mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do yeah. when we put our money in savings. We want to protect our wealth, but you really need to protect your wealth by investing. Yeah, because you are losing. You're literally letting it slip away. Yeah, that's something I've had to learn a lot. It's like I need to be okay with not having everything in my bank account, which I've gotten like so so much better about it over the years. But that was like my biggest thing was like I could see it. It was there. I had it for a rainy day, but it's like I didn't need that much. Like, I, right. you know, like I... I had a robust savings, but it was like too much where I needed to invest some of it because I like wasn't investing anything at one point. Now I'm happy to say that I've definitely diversified my investments, but early on I was that's I was not doing that. that. I had to I like could not let go of my money. It's hard. It's really hard. And that's why I tell people to start small. You don't need to take that huge chunk out of your savings and get in mm-hmm. like take baby steps. Like go invest a hundred dollars in the stock market. You can do that. There's no limit really. Yeah. yeah. And you start to get comfortable with it. And then you see it grow and you're like, holy shit, this is really great. <laughs> it's growing exactly. while I sleep. Why don't I do a little bit more of this? <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, thank you so much, Chrissy, for coming on my podcast. Where can they find you? And then where can they find Penny Financing? How can they access it? Like, I'm about to download it and use it myself <laughs> because it's something that I just like, I love learning more about my finances and feeling just more like increasing my knowledge in it. So where can they find you and Penny Financing? Um, You can find me, I'm at City Chrissy on Instagram and Penny, we're at start with a penny because we truly think you can start with a penny. Our website is penny-finance.com. And like I had mentioned, we have a bunch of free tools where you can just go in, put in your numbers, and we spit out to you your financial future. It's super cool. Highly recommend. And then you have a little offer for people. Yes. So you can use the code REALREAL50 for 50% off of a month or the entire annual subscription, which is such an awesome deal. So thank you so much for offering that. Of course. Thank you for having have me in the on the show. Notes. Yeah, of course. This was a great episode. I know it's going to do really well because everyone loves to learn about this. And I hope it inspires people to take more like control with their finances. Yes. And thank you for bringing awareness to the topic. And I'm so proud of you. 26, you're doing all the right things. You're going to feel you're going to feel so good in like 10 years when you go look at that investing account. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.